Let's begin with prayer. Father, thank you that we can pray together in this way. Thank you for prayers. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word and uh, help us hear your word this morning. Help us to be encouraged by it. Teach us how to pray, how to hope, how to trust you, how to pray. And I ask this in Jesus. Amen. So out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. I'm going to offer some reflections on our psalm reading. And this is a good season for the psalms. I find myself going back here. And we're going to so look at Psalm 130 again. If you have your Bibles, you could turn there. And this has been known as De Profundis, which is really the Latin for the first phrase, out of the depths. And poets have loved this phrase. A lot of poets have used this as the title of their poems. But this psalm has just had a rich history with the people of God. Um, Martin Luther loved this psalm. It was one of his favorites. He basically saw it as summarizing the gospel. John Wesley heard this psalm being sung on his way to his famous Aldersgate transforming experience. And really, it speaks with one voice to us, the people of God, for us and on our behalf. So it's, it's a prayer that helps us both individually, collectively express our human predicament to God. Out of the depths, I cry. And from there, it teaches us how to hope in God. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. Now, I know some of us are having a hard time praying in this season for both those who have a lot more free time and those who have very little free time. And with that, it's good to remember the resources we have for prayer. This is when we can fall back on those. Remembering the prayer books we have from Church of the Cross that are based on the Book of Common Prayer. Our website has a, has a lot of ways to pray with each other a lot of great resources. There's a user-friendly way to use the Book of Common Prayer there for morning, noon, and evening. And don't forget the Psalms. The Psalms have been a profound and powerful means of grace for the people of God to pray when we find it hard to pray. And I spent a whole year once just reading the Psalms for my scripture reading. And again, with the Lord's Prayer, that was one of the best things I did for my prayer life. And what I did yesterday was I printed off Psalm 130 and then went for a walk and decided I wasn't going to finish my walk until I had memorized this prayer. And then I prayed through this prayer as I walked around our neighborhood and prayed for our neighbors and, and other things in our lives. And it was just like faith was increasing in me as I did this. And I don't know about you, but when I read and pray the Psalms, it's as if confidence in God just grows in me. Um, and so I would, I would suggest that be something of your practice in this season. And this particular psalm is a cry for help. God, I'm in trouble. I'm drowning at sea and I need your help. And, and I know because of who you are and because you are loving and merciful and forgiving, you're going to hear my cry for help. You're going to help me and you're going to help your people. That's the focus of this prayer. 
And we know other parts of the Old Testament, especially the New Testament, testify to God's love for those outside the community of faith. But before we bear witness to the lost of God's love, we need to see it and taste it for ourselves. And that happens when we pray and hope and wait on God like this. So verse 1 and 2. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ear be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. So out of the depths, this is a, a metaphor, an abbreviation of a phrase, out of the depths of the sea. So the idea is we're drowning. We're drowning in distress. We're being sucked down by never-ending problems and troubles. And, and we can drown in a variety of ways. We can be drowning right now in too much information, too much screen time, too much work, too much time with people in our house. <laughs> or we could be drowning in other ways. Maybe we're isolated, too isolated. And, and this image speaks to that as well. Because if you're drowning at sea, you're all alone and there's no one there to rescue you that you can see. Or maybe you're out of work. Maybe people are looking at you in a wrong way because you're a particular race. Maybe because of these things and other things, we're overwhelmed with anxiety, with sadness maybe, with anger, or all of the above. The other day, our family was, was in a funk <laughs> for the whole day, each one of us. And <laughs> at the end of the day, we just did this prayer huddle. It's something that Cole and Adam have introduced to our family where we just get around in a circle, we put arms around each other, and we pray for something. And so we prayed out of the depths of the funk. <laughs> we prayed and cried out, Lord, deliver us from the funk. And guess what? The next day was a lot less funk. <laughs> he heard our cry. So out of the depths, it can express a lot of different situations for us. That's the, the Psalms are versatile in that way. And I cry out to you expresses our ultimate hope. Lord, I'm lost and I'm drowning and I need your help. Most of all. And not, I calmly and in this very decent and civilized manner offer my prayers to you. But no, I cry out to the Lord, to you. The Lord hears our cries. <clears throat> and so we bring the Lord our chaotic situations, our chaotic emotional life, and in response, he welcomes us and he reorders our emotions, our affections, as he helps us and sanctifies us in the process. So the Bible doesn't shy away, if you read it, from unpleasant emotions. What sometimes get called, unfortunately, negative emotions. Things like sadness and anger and fear. The Bible doesn't shy away from these things, and Jesus didn't either, if you're reading the Gospels. Like we heard in our Gospel reading, when Jesus is confronted with the death of Lazarus, his friend, he wept, it says. 
When Jesus was going to fix the situation, even he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he still wept. And then in other verses, it said he was greatly disturbed in spirit, deeply moved. And actually in the Greek, it's closer to anger. The image actually is of a raging horse, snarling horse, about to go into battle. That's the imagery in the Greek. So Jesus is saddened and angered and ready to go to to war, to battle, because of death. Because that is how perfect love feels when death takes your friend. So... All of our emotions, the pleasant ones and the unpleasant ones, can be an expression of love and faith, as Jesus illustrated. They can certainly also be, all of them, an illustration of sin or idolatry. And the closer we get to God, the more we can tell the difference. (laughs) Oh Lord, hear my voice, be attentive to my pleas for mercy, Help me, save me. This is a, an SOS message sent out to God from someone drowning. And I think when we get down to praying like this, when we get desperate for God's help or his healing or whatever we're asking him for, we can start to think of why maybe God wouldn't answer our prayers. So you might think of a verse like Proverbs fifteen twenty nine: The Lord is far from the wicked, but it hears the prayer of the righteous. Or maybe you think of a verse like Isaiah 59, chapter, or verse 2. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Or other similar passages. And, and being in Lent, being in a pandemic, you may be much more aware of your sins than at, and at other times. So you're, you're in close quarters with family or friends, or maybe you're isolated. Maybe you have no work. Maybe you have too much work. Whatever might it, it might be, it just might bring, be bringing out the worst in you, right? Old sins might be resurfacing, discouraging you, and you may be wondering, why would God hear the cries of this sinner? And the psalmist addresses this when he says next, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? So if you've been reading the Psalms, you realize this goes all the way back to Psalm 1. If you're familiar with that song, where the righteous, they're described as this solid tree planted by streams of water. They're kind of immovable. And the righteous are described as this chaff, this chaff that's blown away by the wind. And it's said they cannot stand in the judgment. And so the psalmist poses the question, if you, Lord, would mark iniquities, if you were on the watch for sin in our lives, which of us could stand and withstand your judgment? Who would be able to stand? Wouldn't we all be blown away like chaff if that's what God did? But, I love the but neverthelesses of scripture, but with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared that you may get our ultimate attention so thankfully god is forgiving and thankfully the righteous are qualified 
by that forgiveness when they trust God. And actually in the Hebrew, there's the definite article. It says the forgiveness, <laughs> the forgiveness that God promises and now shares with us once and for all through the finished work of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness is with him that you may be feared. Now, this is a different kind of fear. This is not the fear that causes us to run from God in terror. This is a fear that causes us to run to God, even in hope, which is what comes next. In holy wonder and awe, in this beholding and wonder and hope of God's mercy and love and forgiveness. We're trembling at the goodness of it all, anticipating the goodness that's going to come from God because of this. And so I wait in fear and trembling for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, and again, more than watchmen for the morning. So waiting and hoping here are synonyms. To hope is to trust for something that hasn't happened yet. And to trust his word is to trust his promise that his mercies are new every morning, even this wet morning. It's to trust his forgiveness that's going to remove our sins as far as the east is from the west from us. Right? It's going to trust that his redemption is going to make all things new. Everything, every difficult thing that's going on. Now, that's not happening yet, so there's a lot to trust God for. There's a lot to wait for. There's a lot to watch for. And there's a play on words here again in the Hebrew. So we're waiting and watching for the Lord to fulfill his promises, to answer our prayers as we trust his words. But the Lord is not one who watches out for our sins. That's not what he's like. So back to verse 3. It says, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, actually, that's the exact same word as watch, as watch in the watchman, what they're doing. So the idea is God is not one who's watching out for sins in our lives. If that was the case, we'd be done for, and the depths would be our only reality. But thankfully, the forgiveness is with him. So we would fear him and hope in him be found by him. And the psalmist, he's waiting for the Lord in this more than watchman for the morning. When I used to be a firefighter, a full-time firefighter at least, and a paramedic, sometimes I would be up all night on calls and it would be exhausting. And eventually what you would start to do is you would start to wait and long for the morning light. Because what that meant was your shift was gonna be finally over and you could go home and go to bed and finally rest. So you just be waiting, longing for that morning light. Well, the psalmist is waiting for God to answer his prayers, his cries, more than the watchman waiting for that morning light. He's waiting, too, with trust and hope and prayers and anticipation when God's going to shine his light into the depths of our darkness. And now the psalm emerges. We come to the end of the psalm. And he emerges from this prayer again with new confidence. 
with something to tell the people of God, O Israel, O church of the cross, O people of God, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. With him there is plentiful, abundant redemption. And again, here in the Hebrew, it's the definite article again, the steadfast love. With the Lord there is the forgiveness, and with the Lord there is the steadfast love, the ultimate, absolute, divine love and forgiveness of God. The only love and forgiveness that's going to redeem us from all our iniquities. From sin and all its consequences, however deep our sins and troubles, the grace of God goes deeper. So greater than the surrounding chaos of the sea is the abundant, redeeming, steadfast love of God. And his word to us is like us. We're in the drowning sea and he's bringing down a rescue ladder to us. And we can grab on to and hold and climb each rung, which is a different promise of God that brings us up out of the depths. So this prayer, it provides us with a posture of hope in the depths. And with Jesus, we have even greater reason to hope. He's our Lord, and he's our divine brother who meets us in the depths. Who has, in fact, gone so far down into the depths, he's gone into the realm of the dead. And he's emerged with the forgiveness of the cross, with help for every trouble and sin, and with that steadfast love that will never be separated from us. So hope is looking into the future, and seeing his face and saying, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for this psalm. Thank you for our Lord and divine brother who meets us right in the depths. Who we can cry out to. Who cries with us. And cries with us out to you in the spirit in truth help us do this lord help us in our prayers help us teach us from your bible from your scriptures how to hope again how to trust how to pray in jesus our divine brother amen